Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. Well, hey, Vince's Church, I am just so honored uh, to be here to share with you again. Like Matt said, I am so bummed uh, that we couldn't be in person, but I know there's a purpose in this, and uh, so we're just gonna we're gonna get ready to hear from God's word. But before I do that, I kind of wanna I wanna set the stage um, for my side of the connection between Matt and I. I know he shared a little bit about how we're connected, but I wanted to share. And uh, it's just something that he's asked me to come and, and be with you guys several times. But when you're a pastor and you only work one day a week, it's hard to work everything in. And so after about five years of asking, uh, I'm finally here and I'm just so, I'm so honored. Um, I heard Matt speak almost 20 years ago at a youth revival uh, down in Ramsour, North Carolina. I was probably eighth or ninth grade and I remember uh, him coming And all I remember from that night, now some of you would say, well, how in the world do you remember something from 20 years ago? And this is the impression it had on me, because I think he said, get out of the boat about 30 times during that sermon. He talked about Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water with Jesus, and this get out of the boat mentality was etched in my mind. But I think the reason I remember it, and I think there's a lesson in this, the next day at school, There was somebody from my class also there, and we talked about it. So when this is over today, go talk about what you heard with somebody. Tell them, hey, here's what I heard said, or here's what God spoke to me, and I promise you, uh, you'll remember it better if you just listen and then don't worry about it again. But then you fast forward uh, a few more years, and I go down to Southern Wesleyan to attend school in 2006, and uh, Matt and, his, and Ashley were pastoring a church down there. They were youth pastors. And my sister and now brother-in-law uh, were helping them at this church. And so somehow or another, um, they would go hang out at Matt and Ashley's house on Sunday afternoons before the service that night would go on. And so we'd sit there and watch football. And, and, uh, and I just remember one day I had to use the bathroom so bad. And I I don't know if you're like me, but I cannot stand to go to the bathroom in somebody else's space. I need my space, um, and it's just just what I need. And and so I go back to their hall bathroom, and I made the epic mistake of not checking for toilet paper. And so I get done with my business, and I look, and there is no toilet paper anywhere except for this roll of of odd toilet paper on the back of the toilet that had this embroidery of the South Carolina emblem, you know, the palm tree and the half moon. And I'm like, well, that's some interesting way to wrap some toilet paper. So I begin to delicately peel back this toilet paper uh, outer coating. And I'm so proud of myself because I'm not making a mess with it. I'm like, maybe they can save it. I don't know. And I'm sure they're wondering why I've been back here as long as I've been back there. And I get, I get the toilet paper and, and I, I do my thing and I, and I get out and I didn't, think think any, I didn't think any more about it. And then all of a sudden, I can't remember if it was Matt or Ashley, they say, who ruined our embroidered toilet paper on the back of this hall toilet? 
And I was like, in shame, I was like, <laughs> that was me. Uh, I ruined your toilet paper. Come to find out, our aunt, which is now my aunt and our family, had made this for them. So I'm sorry uh, that I ruined the toilet paper. And then I met Keisha, uh, my wife now, Ashley's sister. And she took me to one of the very first things we did together was go to a Clemson football game at Death Valley in 2006, Clemson versus South Carolina. And I'll never forget sitting around that tailgate, and it was just me and Matt there for a moment. I just, I'd only known Matt for a few months to this point. And he looked at me and said, Josh, I'm going to move back to the triad one day, and I'm going to plant a church. And in that moment, to me, I was given that inside view of what you now see today. Vintage church. And I just need to say this, and I'm not doing this because he asked me to, and if he gets mad at me for saying this, oh well. You need to know how, how honored and privileged and blessed you are to have Pastor Matt Smith leading this church. Like, you are blessed beyond measure to have him as your leader. I hope you pray for him. I hope you support him and love him and encourage him. And if you don't like something he's doing, go tell somebody else and just let him keep going. Spoken from another lead pastor to about another lead pastor. You're so blessed. And I would say that, that I'm an outsider. I want to step back and, and dive in. I would, I would say, you know, maybe um, I, I'm not really an outsider, because I get to see what God is doing through his eyes and through our family's eyes. And so I'm just, I'm so, I'm so blessed to be here. And you need to know not just Matt, but your leaders. The week before our church started two th- services back in 2017 because we had grown so much, Matt and some of your staff came and prayed over our staff at our church just to ask God to come and bless what we were doing. And so... All that to say, I am pumped to be here to share what God's laid on my heart in this series forward. I want to read um, something you guys have read the last two weeks from Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, to me, that means that You were created for a purpose, on purpose. You're not a disappointment. You're not a mistake. God loves you right where you are right now. But by the theme of this whole series, he loves you way too much to leave you where you are. And when Paul says that you're gonna gonna walk in them, this thing that God has prepared in advance for you, walking carries this connotation that you're moving. You're being transformed. You're being moved forward to where God wants you to be. And one of the, the, my most favorite things that Matt said week one was you can make excuses or you can make progress. You cannot do both. And then last week, week two, we started diving into this whole story of Moses and how there were some excuses Moses began to make when God asked him to go and help deliver his people out of this bondage and slavery in Egypt. And most of these excuses that that Moses gave were 
these internal limitations, these limitations that were in his mind that, you know what, I can't do what you're calling me to do, God. There's, there's no way I'm good enough. I killed a man, number one, and ran from that. And now you're asking me to go back and petition Pharaoh, the man's house I grew up in? On top of that, God, uh, I can't speak very well. I, I, don't, I don't talk too good. You're, you're gonna have to find somebody else. And in Exodus 4, Verse 13, it says this, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send somebody else. Now, I love God's response. God's response gives this idea and it reveals to us how God feels about our petty excuses sometimes when we say, you know what, God, you're gonna have to get somebody else because I'm just not good enough for this. So in Exodus 4, 14 through 20, we get the response. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put your words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Now I wanna stop here for just a moment and I, I wanna, we're getting, then we're gonna read verses 18 through 20. But right here, God is basically saying, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to listen to your whining and complaining about how you think you can't speak. I'm going to make sure there's somebody that can speak for you, but you're not getting out of this. This is what I called you to do. So once Moses gets out of his own way, he, he says in verse 18, he says, then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So basically don't fear the people that wanted to kill you, they're gone now. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt and he took the staff of God in his hand. Moses gets out of his own way. He says yes to God and he starts moving. And that yes births this forward progress to where God was calling him to go. I wish I could tell you that your yes was the hardest step forward that you'll take. I, I wish that I could tell you that once you finally say yes to Jesus, once you finally say yes to God's plan for your life, I wish I could tell you that that was the hardest step. And for a long time, I think we as church leaders and pastors, we've done a terrible job at this because we, we, we push these verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I want that plan. I want, I want what that, that, that says. Like plans not to harm me, I, I'll sign me up for that. Plans to give me a hope and a future, I'm there. You just tell me where to be. Sometimes I think we, we have this misconception that 
man, if I just follow Jesus, all my troubles are going to magically go away. Moses and his family begin to make the journey back to Egypt. And I want you to watch the first thing God says to Moses. Verse 21, Exodus 4, verse 21. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do. Okay, easy. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go. So I'm going to kill your firstborn son. So let Moses basically, okay, God, let me get this straight. You, you're going to tell Pharaoh to say no? You're asking me to go back and help deliver your people, my people, out of slavery. You've told me to go to Pharaoh, and you're sitting here telling me that you're asking me to do this, and now you're going to say, and he's going to say No. And then you want me to basically in front of him threaten his firstborn son. I'm not gonna make it, I'm not gonna make it out of this alive. There's no way I'm making it out of this first conversation with Pharaoh. Nonetheless, keeps moving. And this is probably, this is one of those parts that you don't see in that precious moments Bible. Um, and some of y'all probably skip over this. You might not even read this. But in verse 24 through 26, we kind of get this odd, weird exchange. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to try to explain it to you. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. <laughs> Hold up just a second. So God convinces Moses to go. He goes. On the way, he, be, he tells Moses that Pharaoh's going to say no, and then you're going to threaten that you're going to threaten his firstborn son's life. And then they stop for the night in a lodging place, and God's going to kill him. Watch this. But Zipporah, that's Moses' wife, she took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. That's. This is why the Bible cannot be made into a movie that your kids can watch. You see what has just happened? Moses and his family stopped for the night, and somehow along the way, Moses has not circumcised one of his sons. And this in the Old Testament for God's people is a big no-no. This is like the rite of passage. This is to signify that you are in God's family. And so... They didn't do it. We don't know why, but all of a sudden, his mom runs over and slices off his foreskin, and then she has to come over and touch Moses' feet with it. You got the mental picture yet? Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's weird and borderline inappropriate, but it's important. You would think that the yes was the hardest step, and yet they're not even to Egypt yet. And there's, in my mind, already three strikes to turn back and say, uh-uh, that's it. Too much. I'm not going any further. I think, I think one of the hardest moments in faith is knowing you're doing what God called you to do, but what's happening around you seems like more than you can handle. Maybe, maybe you're not like me, um, 
But that, that's one of the hardest moments of faith for me. Is knowing I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm going where he wants me to go. And yet every circumstance surrounding me seems like it's in opposition to what God wants me to do. Now, Moses finally makes it to Egypt. Him and Aaron, they go to the Israelite leaders and basically say, listen, God came to me, Moses, and he told me how things are gonna go down. He told me that I'm gonna perform all these signs and wonders in front of Pharaoh, and we're gonna go to Pharaoh and we're gonna petition him to let you go, and God's gonna deliver you out of slavery, and you're gonna be free into the promised land, and all this is gonna be in the past, and we're, we're gonna be done with that. Moses and Aaron show the Israelite leaders all of these signs that God has shown Moses to perform, and they're like, sure, let's go. What are we waiting for? Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and they ask him for a three-day retreat to the wilderness so that they can go and worship their God. What did God say would happen? Okay, here we go. Pharaoh says no. He says, listen, no, I'm not letting you go. You're lazy. Get back to work. And not only does he make them go back to work, beforehand, he's been bringing the straw to them to make the, the brick out of straw and mud and all this stuff, how they made bricks back then. He says, because you're so lazy and because you think you've got time to go take a retreat and go in the wilderness and worship God, you're gonna have to go and, and gather your own straw now and still make as many bricks as I'm asking you to make. The quota is not going away. Keep making the bricks, get back to work. You lazy bums is basically what he said. Exodus 5.21, I like to, I like to um, compare the Israelites to the church folk. Um, if, I hope that's okay. Um, they're the church people in this story. Um, and they say this to Moses and Aaron. Watch this. After saying, yes, God's going to deliver us. Let's do what you say, Moses and Aaron. And then their work gets harder and they just, they want to give up. Exodus 5.21, may the Lord look on you and judge you. This is the Israelites to Moses and Aaron. You have made us noxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses and Aaron, we don't like how you're handling this. We don't think this is the best way to, to deliver us out of slavery. What you said you were gonna do sounded good when you shared it with us, but now it's just too hard and we just like to go back to the way things were and not worry about any of this freedom talk anymore. And Moses goes back to God in Exodus 5, 22 through 23, and he says, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses is at his his wits end. I mean, we're at strike four or five at this point after he has said yes to God. All this whining and complaining from the Israelites, and he's like, listen, God, you, you're not doing anything you said you were gonna do. 
Every th- and, and he's forgotten all these signs and wonders that God has showed him. The Israelites have forgotten all that God can do. And this is kind of that moment for me and my faith where I like to kind of give my life motto and my excuse, no pain, no pain. Um, I mean, I bail at the first sign of it. I hate working out. If I have to work out or, you know, ride a bike or run or any, anything that exerts any kind of energy, I'll give you a few minutes, but when it gets longer than a few minutes, I'm just going to give up and I'll come up with an excuse. I am, I am great at excuses and I'll avoid the pain at all costs. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to deal with that. And again, somehow, someway, we've, we've been tricked or, or maybe something's happened in our, in our walk with Christ or in our faith or as a part of a church or you know, being a part of this for any length of time, we think that following Jesus is going to be full of adventure and fairy tale endings and doing great things for him. But we forget that some of the last words Jesus spoke before his greatest moment of pain in John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So I sat down um, and finished what I was going to say to you guys on Wednesday night. And uh, Matt's probably been in this situation before where you sit down and you feel accomplished and you've written your message for Sunday. And you get up from the space that you've been working in and you you walk away from that space and God says, I'm not sure I want you to say any of that. (laughs) And you're like, okay, God. And those are like, Oh man, and you're just like, oh, I don't, I didn't, I don't think I heard what I heard, God. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. But when I got up from my my, my kitchen table at my house that that Wednesday night, I started asking the question, "What's pain?" You see, in this story, Moses is having trouble moving forward because of the external pain and. Circumstances that surrounding his life. All of these things that he's dealing with, Pharaoh saying no, thinking he's going to die for threatening Pharaoh's son. God almost kills him because he didn't circumcise his son. Then he finally convinces the Israelites to do it, and then Pharaoh makes it harder on them, so they complain to Moses. And then God comes, and then Moses comes to God and says, Listen, this is too much. This is more than I can handle. But I had to ask the question, what are the external circumstances, painful circumstances that come with following Jesus? And i got to be honest. I don't think we understand this. We sit here and talk about Jesus saying, you know, in this world you would have trouble. And we think some of our greatest trouble is that we didn't get the parking place at the front of Walmart like we thought we were going to get when we pulled in the parking lot. We, we, we think that our greatest pain in life is that we've had to walk through the last two years of this thing that we know as COVID-19. 
We think that, that all these things that are happening around us, we look at pain and we're like, well, the, the, you know, the, I've got cancer, or my, my parents have cancer, or my grandma has dementia, or I lost my job, or I don't know how I'm gonna pay these bills, or my kids are nuts, my, my, my spouse is crazy. What, what, uh, this is painful, God. Following you is hard. But what I just listed, none of that pain is exclusive to being a Christian. Are you with me? None of the pain I just listed is exclusive to you because your name is written down in a book up in heaven that says, I'm a follower of Jesus. The last time that I checked, there are more people that follower of Jesus or not that are dealing with pain and grief and death. And I hadn't even talked about the pain of the consequences you face because of your sinful choices. I'm not talking about mistakes. Those sinful choices that we make that are a premeditated decision to go and do something against what you know is right. We don't know the pain that Moses is facing to move him forward. We have no idea. And as long as, here, here's, here's my greatest pet peeve about a Christian in America. And I, I'm sorry if you don't like soapboxes like this, but I can't help but say this. I, you will never move forward in the life that you are living closer to Jesus. You are not gonna break through that thing that keeps holding you down. And the chains on your life will never fall off as long as you are living your life as the victim. You want victory, but you'll never get it because you're the victim. Everything always happens to you. Things aren't happening to you. What if they're happening for you? What if they're trying to prepare you for something that you can't dream possible that's in the future? What if the pain that you're facing is for somebody else? What if the pain that you're going through is the pain somebody else is gonna go through and nobody else can speak to it except you in that moment to draw them closer to the spirit of God? I'm telling you, church, we serve Jesus. He's already won the victory. So stop playing the victim and live in victory. You are not fighting for that victory. I promise you are worshiping from a place of Victory! I could only imagine what this room would be like if you were sitting in here right now. You're not the victim. The pain of this life is not going away. So to move forward, what do we do? And some of you guys right now, you're like, I'm not the victim. I don't play the victim. If that's what you're saying right now, you're absolutely the person that is the victim sitting in the room that you're watching this from right now. We all know these people. The rest of the story is history. We have the privilege of reading this story in Exodus where you continue on and there's 10 plagues. Moses gets a, a handful of no's from Pharaoh. His life is threatened. And then they finally make the journey out of Egypt. And they find themselves standing on the shore of the Red Sea. God had softened Pharaoh's heart and he said, you can go. 
they go without a fight. But the moment that they are walking towards the freedom, God then rehardens Pharaoh's heart and he sends his army to pursue the Israelites. So they look back thinking that they're scot-free and they're being pursued by an army that they can't, that they can't take. Moses finds himself standing on the shore of the Red Sea, believing for a miracle. I wonder how many times God wanted to part the Red Sea for me and you. I wonder how many times God wanted to bring the breakthrough and the miracle in our life. But we never got to see it because we quit. When the circumstances of life just seem too much to keep going. The pain of sickness is hard. The pain of this last two years that we've lived in has been hard. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to quit because I didn't think what God had called me to was now possible because of COVID. Can we just stop saying that word? Let's just quit. Let's remove it. Let's start a new trend and nobody says that word anymore. How about that? I wanted to quit. That's painful. The pain of grief and death and loss and hardship financially and burdens that you carry are painful. And those circumstances are difficult. But most of the time, those aren't because you're following Jesus. I'll tell you what's hard to follow Jesus in. To forgive that person that you can't fathom forgiving. That's painful. But that's what God's calling you to do, to move forward. What's painful is staying put and working out whatever differences you and your spouse have for the purpose of mending something that God meant to stay for life. That's hard. But it's the pain that God's calling you to walk in. So how do we, how do we move forward when the painful circumstances seem too much to bear? And this is gonna be so simple as we close our time together. Number one, Keep faith in God's plan. I know that seems so simple. Keep faith in God's plan. How can I say that? (laughs) Because I've seen him work. No matter how much I doubt, no matter how much I get frustrated about what the current circumstance is, I always go back I love the song that that we sing. You guys sing it. We sing it. Evidence. The evidence is all around. We can't deny God's power and his presence among us. We can't deny it. It's real. It's active. It's alive. And we have to remind ourselves moving forward. It's all about perspective, all about understanding that 
that what is happening around us is working in God's plan. Hebrews 11.1 1, and then verse 6 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then in verse 6 it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is confidence that what I hope for is coming, but I have this assurance because I don't see it yet. And then the second and final thing is this, how can I move forward from my circumstances that seem to be against where God's leading me? And it's this, my faith is strengthened when I give my pain a purpose. My faith is strengthened when I give my pain a purpose. Romans 8, 28 from the New Living Translation says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know what this verse tells me? This verse is God's promise to make something good out of the circumstances that are bringing you hardship. His promise to take what you're dealing with, give it some purpose so that you can keep moving. Your faith in God's plan and the strength of giving your pain purpose is what is going to propel you forward. What God wants for you, church, I'm telling you, could very well be on the other side of the greatest pain that you've ever gone through. I'd love to pray with you. If you'd bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Right there, wherever you're watching, whether it's in your living room or maybe you're watching it on the way to work another day of the week or I don't know where you're, where you find yourself in this moment, but just take a second right here before we close. And I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to say, God, give my pain a purpose. I'm tired of being the victim, God. I'm tired of always feeling like everything's happening to me. I'm ready I'm ready to move forward. And today I've realized that the only way I move forward is to embrace what I'm facing and going through and know that God's going to work it for his purpose because I love him and I know he loves me. Maybe, maybe you're watching and worshiping and maybe today for the very first time you would say, I've never really thought about my pain like this. I too have wanted to give up. I've wanted to throw in the towel. I've realized today that maybe some of the things I thought were in opposition to me following Jesus, they're no different than what everybody else is facing, whether they follow Jesus or not. 
And I'm doing more damage to the people around me thinking that all this stuff's happened to me because of God. And it's really just about living on this earth. God, today, would you speak to our hearts? God, give us that assurance of our faith, of the things that we don't see that are ahead. Lord, help us to embrace the fact today that, that our yes is, is usually the easiest step we take in, in going towards you. What happens after that depends on how we deal with the pain. Depends on how we deal with the circumstances that seem to want to trip us up and discourage us and take away our joy and our fulfillment. God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to worship together and to, God, to hear from your word to remind us that we are victorious in Jesus already. You've already won the victory, Jesus. And that you, Jesus, said that we would have trouble, but take heart, you've already overcome the world. Lord, would you go with us? God, give us that assurance that only you can give and that peace that only comes from following you. We love you today. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.